Hello again, and welcome back to Killing the Great White Male. Thank you for hanging in there with all of the, all of these conversations over the last, well, I guess it's been nine months now. It's been most of quarantine for me. Um, but yeah, thanks for hanging in there. Uh, if you started at the beginning, if you didn't, well, oh gosh, no, it's almost been a year. Holy crap. Yeah. All right. COVID brain. But anyway, um, let's dive back into this conversation. Um, uh, Katrina and I were just wrestling with the topic of work versus ecstasy, uh, or maybe it was just me. I, anyway, there's more to that and, and there's a lot of it for both of us. So let's, uh, let's dive right back in. Yeah. Every single conversation that I've had like this, this is what, like, when we talk about pleasure, what what would it be like if you loved your work? And I don't mean, like, go quit your job and find your perfect job. I mean, loving the fact that this desk, this desk's chair is caressing my ass perfectly right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because because there can be immense amounts of pleasure in work. And the, the fact that we think that those are antithetical to each other is is a really fascinating um and horrible critique of how we live that that the things that we spend all of our time on are supposed to be miserable um is is just another bar in the cage right like it's a it's a hor like like hard work can be so ecstatic um the pleasure itself like the um the the author often said like your sorrow makes space for your pleasure and pleasure makes space for your sorrow they exist together the difference between pleasure and sensation is that pleasure is a whole experience that brings all of us to the table and acknowledges um the the pain that is inherent with feeling pleasure like i think specifically something she mentions is when somebody when you lose somebody you love the Mm -hmm. sorrow is a direct indicator of how much you of how much you love them and how much pleasure they gave your life and that that sorrow has to exist in the place of that pleasure otherwise you would never understand and value what you lost Mm. and that that in order to have these full embodied experiences of pleasure we have to be willing to allow an equal amount of pain and and that is very hard and scary, but so necessary. So this comes back to my pleasure lineage, by the way. Great. Because that was exactly like, as I worked with Tom on this stuff, that was exactly the experience is everything hurt so goddamn much. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that that's one of many reasons why part of me went back to sleep was being like viscerally engaged so that I can experience ple- the pleasure of that bowl of spinach. It is now a legendary bowl of spinach. Is you know, like, I'm going <laughs> to hype this thing in, you know, um, the, because being available to the pleasure of that bowl experience, a uh, bowl of spinach experience was like, oh. it sat side by side with like how vacant, how much I hate looking at myself, for example. Mm-hmm. Like I think, mm-hmm reading in in the book her one of her pleasure practices is finding um viewing herself pleasurably and it i've i tried to i not try i had a 
I practice for a while of looking in the mirror deliberately and and looking with admiration. And it I've completely lost it. I don't know when I lost it. I don't yeah. know, like I know I had it at one point when I was living in this house. Um and it's it's uh, vanished. Um and it's weird for me to think about like the time I was probably in the best shape of my life was a year ago. A year ago, two, three weeks ago, I was supposed to be uh, in my first big jujitsu competition. Um, and yeah. I, I was running about 11% body fat. And I actually felt proud of what my body looked like. Um, but that's very different from taking pleasure in my body, no matter what it looks like. Like, yeah. that's the like that's the rub. It's one thing to be able to manipulate my body to get it, uh, to do what I want it to do. Right. right. Yeah. Well, cause now you're, you're back in that, um, that white boy checklist place, right? right? Where you're yeah. like, technically I can check this off. If I, if I diet, if I exercise, if I yep. deprive myself, if I go super hard, then I can have this kind of body and I can stay, I can check this off the list and I can win that way. Um, yeah, I feel that. I, I, I struggle with that constantly because I have that same idea in my head. I had this idea that if I was just a better person, if I was just less lazy, if I was just whatever, all these things, then I could look, um, I could look like, I, I struggle hugely with the fact that, um, you know, I'm five foot tall. I'm like 150 pounds. I do not look androgynous. Nobody ever mm. says, accidentally says excuse me sir no matter how masculinely i dress no matter how short my hair is and that is such an interesting there's there's such a deep desire in me to have an androgynous body um but so but but also uh so for a long time i was like oh like maybe i'll transition maybe i'll take tea maybe i'll get top surgery and then after and there's very there's a lot of excitement and there's a lot of like very cool euphoric feelings that come from that. But ultimately, I realized that what was at the heart of that desire for me personally, and I'm not speaking for any other trans person that would make that clear. For me personally, I realized if I did that right now, what would be at the heart of that is desiring to have other people see me in a way that would affirm my gender. And I've decided that for my personal journey, I don't need to come from that right now. My interest is in affirming who I am, no matter what, how other people see me. And God, being so brilliant. comfortable in this body. There's, there's just something really important to me about getting to the core of this body that I currently exist in. That's part of my journey. Because I, because I, don't, I don't feel female in this body. Like, yeah, I've got like mm. triple boobs <laughs> and I got a big old butt, but they don't feel like a woman's breasts. They're not a woman's butt. Like, this is my man's body that I have. This is my, th that also has, like, I have a deep female spiritual part of me, but my body and my experience and my, my lived experience in the world is one of maleness, no matter what you like you, the collective you out there, no matter what you see when you walk down the street, I know what my body is and I, I need to live. I've, I've decided that I need to live this at least for a while. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> That's so powerful. Mm. Well, it's, I just, it's so important to, 
it's loving our bodies is such a big deal and it's so at the heart of of every incredibly bad and shitty thing that i've had to struggle through in my life with my specific uh areas of oppression where like <laughs> where 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 there's such there's such a powerful urge to reject this body that I live in and I struggle every day with caring for it, appreciating it, listening to it when it's uncomfortable or has problems or needs something. Um, and I don't think any of us should take for granted how important it is to get in touch with our bodies. All of the men that I, all of the heterosis men that I've been in relationship with or have known very well, they all have issues with their body. I don't know. They all have different, but, but they have different issues, which is the importance of doing our, our own work around this stuff. Like, I think it's incredibly important for men to, to read feminist literature. I think it's incredibly important for white people to spend a lot of time with literature from people of color and indigenous people. But that doesn't mean that we then take their work and place it onto our own bodies. No, it and has to it, inspire our work. Oh, for me, it, it, it has to inform how yeah. how we process. But we have to process differently. Through our privilege, has to be a different process. We still have to interrogate it and rip it apart and do all of those things, but yeah. not from not using the methodology that somebody outside of that identity would. It's not. That's not. That's never going to serve us, and that's never going to bring us real liberation. Absolutely, yeah. It's. <laughs> I need like a minute and a half. Okay. Okay. I will. Be, I will be back in a minute and a half. Okay. <laughs> All right. And we're well, back. Now- well, right now that we're an hour and a half in and have gotten to page 25. <laughs> well, um, we've been talking about concepts from like, uh, so one of them that I almost pulled. <laughs> so first off, that was hilarious, awesome, and magical. Thank you. Um, I worked out this morning and drank a gallon of water. And yes, um, we actually have hit on material from throughout the book. So uh, part of the reason I, I I urge people to read the books that, that we read on the show is because we all have different experiences of this stuff and everyone's going to hear something different. This book in particular, it basically what the author does is uses um, that uh, Audre Lorde article uses of the erotic um, as a jumping off point and then continues to do all these vignettes of the powerful work people are doing around pleasure for themselves. Um, Oh God, like here I am. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> on page 132 uh, a nipple arousal and all of the wonderful stuff around nipples and uh-huh. and i'm just okay here here well here's the quote okay it amazes me how often i meet people of all genders who don't understand or feel that they can access the potential pleasure of our nipples some say they can't really feel anything there some say it emasculates them to feel anything there uh, i know mm. that nipples work differently for everyone and that some people may not feel much there but I suspect that most of us could benefit from more con- concentrated attention to our nipples. Uh, as she goes on to say on the next page, nipple stimulation releases the hormone oxytocin, 
aka the happy juice um and this whole thing like she has the rest of the book is this series of vignettes from her and and collected authors and interviews that she did with folks um but it like we know like clearly during nursing that nipple you know this is exactly true it releases the hormone oxytocin the crazy part is as i'm reading this here on the air i'm realizing shit that probably does the same thing like i have all of the functional equipment to breastfeed i just don't have the hormone cue right right um and what's nuts is i wonder if that's part of why i enjoy uh nipple contact and i'm conscious that when i work out like this morning um so I've been doing a lot of jujitsu drills, um, with a, a, a wrestling dummy. Um, and I, I work out shirtless. I'm at the gym shirtless just cause fuck shirts. They're a jail cell. Um, <laughs> I, fuck this. Pure Roy's out there being that boy. I love it. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> this is, <laughs> it is what it is, but I'm just like, there's part of me that's just like, I, I gotta get over the fact that I, I think everyone hates seeing my body. Um, but I'm conscious that my my dummy is wearing this really rough gi and my nipples get rough <laughs> because <laughs> as I'm doing the work. And I remember when I was running, that was part of why I didn't wear shirts when I was running because they would rub my nipples raw. Um, mm-hmm. Like So anyway, I, in my head, I'm like, you know, I'll bet nipple stimulation still releases the hormone oxytocin for me. But it, I guess my point is we've been hitting all the material from throughout the 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 page 370 uh, i turned to it earlier but you made the point without us checking in with the book but it's she's talking there about the strength of the 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 importance of performing and the performative um of arts that it it you know for the person doing the performing it it is very much a a practice. I, God, I'm just going to fucking read it. All right. We know the road to liberation for all peoples is a long one, and sometimes we might not see it in our lifetimes. I feel like burlesque creates moments of liberation, moments of experience. Burlesque gives us space to feel all emotions and to recharge together in our bodies together, not just online, but viscerally together. It's about finding freedom on stage in my own body while others watch and experience. It's not about rehearsing the revolution. It's about creating cracks that show our bodies that we can experience freedom. We do. Mm -hmm. Those cracks. I loved what she said as a performer myself. Like there are Mm -hmm. moments of divinity in, you know, Oh yeah. I mean, um, there are moments where it's just like, whole shit, I don't know what just happened, but it's flowing. Right. I, I really want to also talk about this. So just, I, I want to hear everything you say, but like, <laughs> but I really want to make sure that, cause I have, and I want to relate it to the hot and heavy homework of the pleasure. Okay. Yes. But yeah, now I want to hear everything else okay. that you have to say. About it. <laughs> no, it's just like, there are moments when it is that just, I, <clears throat> I love that they say it's not rehearsing, that it is unto itself in that moment, the thing. Yeah. Right. And thing in itself. Yep. And it's, it's as though there's cracks. It, it, it produces cracks in the veneer of, of whiteness and the veneer of maleness and the veneer of America, U S culture yeah. or whatever that is. Um, yeah. empire. Whole- shit. Yeah. It, it creates 
cracks and that we, we do this work for those cracks. We go see somebody else do this work because we, we just want there to be a moment when we, we see, oh shit, I saw that person's bare naked soul. Yeah. In spite of the elephant costume or whatever the fuck they had on. (laughs) Right. Oh, that's a fun image. I like that. When was the last time you saw someone's bare naked soul? I just want to leave that right there. Because there's there's something really significant, I think, that, that, that this particular author that Adrian Marie Brown is, is quoting here, um, that this author is talking about. There's something really important there. When was the last time you had an experience of someone else's just bare naked soul? I don't know about you, but it's a question that I'm having to sit with because I, I don't have many easy answers to it. But I also think it's probably something pretty important. So, till next time, that's what that's what we've got. We'll talk to you soon.